We're on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. The bat moves. May the force be with you. Who is that mask man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. Here is some genre-related news <laughs> before we get to today's discussion. <clears throat> Excuse me. Disney has opened an immersive Star Wars-themed hotel, which offers guests the opportunity to live their Star Wars story through exclusive experiences, missions, and activities. Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser is part live immersive theater, part themed environment, part culinary extravaganza, part real-life role-playing game. The overview on the Disney World website reads, Arrive at the Walt Disney World Resort Terminal, board a launch pod, and rendezvous with the, with the magnificent Halcyon Cruiser. Stay in a cabin or suite with an exquisite view of space throughout the ship. You'll interact with an eclectic, collection of characters, sit down to exotic galactic cuisine, and perhaps even plot a secret mission together. This is sure to be a big hit. More information is available on the Disney website. The Marvel Netflix shows are coming to Disney+, Plus. this after having left Netflix at the end of February. You just knew they weren't going to be floating in the ether for very long. Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Punisher, and The Defenders will be available on the streaming service starting March 16th. Joining them will be Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which originally aired on ABC TV. With the addition of these shows, Disney Plus will update its existing parental controls as some of the shows are violent and or feature mature themes. All subscribers will need to update their settings. The settings include the option to select content ratings, restrictions for each profile, as well as adding a pin to lock profiles. Subscribers that choose to retain their current settings will continue to use Disney Plus as always within a TV14 content rating environment. Did you get all that? with the option to make changes at any time under the Profile Settings tab. I I'm reading it and I'm confused by that. <clears throat> the final trailer for Marvel's Morbius from Sony Pictures, starring Jarrett Leto and directed by Daniel Espinosa, dropped earlier this week. Uh, you can view the trailer on one of the FF social media pages. And while you're there, if you haven't already, like us on... Uh, Twitter and Instagram and follow us on Facebook. We love to be liked and we like to be followed. Morbius opens in theaters on April 1st. It was reported yesterday that a new alien movie is in development at 20th Century Fox. Ridley Scott is set to produce 
with Fetty Alvarez as writer and director. The film, which will stream on Hulu, is intended to be a new take on the franchise and is not connected to the narrative of any of the previous installments. And if you happen to be local, Fairfax Comic Con is back and putting on the first of two one-day mini-conventions today at the Dulles Expo Center. The second mini-con will be on August 27th. The show runs until 4.30 p.m. today, so I suppose if you are listening to this, then, yeah, maybe it's probably already too late, but, hey, you probably already went or maybe are even there streaming this show. But for more information, you can visit the website at fairfaxcomiccon.com. Some sad news to report as actress Sally Kellerman passed away on February 28th, 24th, excuse me. Kellerman was best known to genre audiences for having played Dr. Elizabeth Daner on the second pilot for the original Star Trek series, along with guest star Gary Lockwood. She was 84. And actress Farrah Fork passed away on February 25th. Fork was known to genre audiences for her work as Mason Drake on Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, and for having voiced the character Big Barda on the Justice League Unlimited series and the Batman Beyond animated series. She was 54. Also, film industry executive and producer Alan Ladd Jr. died on March 2nd. Ladd was the president of 20th Century Fox, who approved production of Star Wars. He was 84. Finally, actor Mitchell Ryan died on March 4th. He was best known to genre audiences for having played Burt Devlin on the original Dark Shadows daytime soap. Commander Riker's dad on Star Trek The Next Generation, the general in Lethal Weapon, and as the voice of Highfather on the animated Justice League series. Ryan was 88. Matt Reeves, the Batman, earned $54 million on its opening day. This includes receipts from Tuesday and Wednesday fan events and Thursday preview screenings. The film is projected to collect between $120 and $130 million in its first weekend in release. And we're talking about the movie today. Be warned, there will be spoilers. But first, here is the official spoiler-free FF review. Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. Since his 1939 debut in the pages of Detective Comics number 27, Batman has seen numerous incarnations on radio and in movies and television. Many performers have portrayed the character over the decades. And the manner in which he is perceived by the audience has also changed from campy comedic figure to dark avenger. The foundation of the character is a detective. Matt Reeves embraces that conception in The Batman. It is one of several established conventions from the comic books which the director restores. The Batman picks up about two years into the character's vigilante war on Gotham City's underworld. 
Beyond rampant crime, corruption permeates every level of city government. The few honest police include Lieutenant James Gordon, who has allied himself with Batman in an effort to curtail the municipality's descent into lawlessness. In the midst of this struggle, a new criminal threat emerges. A villain calling himself the Riddler is striking out against dishonest public officials. Riddler leaves cryptic messages at the crime scenes, which Batman must decipher in order to deduce the criminal's ongoing plot. While on the trail, Batman meets Selina Kyle, who is searching for a friend gone missing. She and Batman grudgingly work together as the trails they're following intersect. But can they uncover the Riddler's endgame while navigating the criminal underworld run by mobster Carmine Falcone and his henchman, the Penguin? And will Batman and Gordon be in time to stop whatever the Riddler has planned? Co-writers Matt Reeves and Peter Craig have crafted a taut, complex crime drama. Filled with suspense and action, I imagine this to be exactly the type of film producer Michael Uslan envisioned decades ago when he first promoted the notion of a serious Batman movie. Unlike more recent incarnations that have emphasized his fighting skills, the Batman returns to the character's roots as the world's greatest detective. Which is a refreshing departure. Batman is the quintessential Renaissance man. He is detective, scientist, inventor, fighter with an expertise in all those areas of endeavor. Fans of the comic book source material will recognize this Batman immediately. The cast was great. Robert Pattinson turns in a stellar performance in the lead role. He plays Batman as still evolving. The audience convincingly sees him beginning to make the transformation from Avenger to Crusader. Zoe Kravitz shines as Selina Kyle. Her simmering intensity elevates this portrayal above others of the Catwoman. I said everybody is great, and I mean it, but Jeffrey Wright stood out for me here. He is a consistently terrific actor and outstanding as Gordon. Paul Dano and Colin Farrell offer nuanced performances as Riddler and Penguin. Dano's blend of calculating and crazy is kind of scary. And somehow, Farrell comes through the prosthetics to connect with the audience. Andy Serkis and John Turturro are exceptional as the loyal Alfred and crime lord Carmine Falcone. The Batman is a long movie, two hours and 55 minutes long. And it's slow in parts, doesn't exactly drag, and the pacing picks up as it goes along. But be prepared. This movie makes me nostalgic for the old days when longer-running movies had intermissions. The length makes me wonder what the director's cut was like. There is a palpable sense of foreboding to the movie that is accentuated by Michael Giacchino's haunting musical score. Appropriate for the character, but given the transformative elements of the movie, I would have hoped for an overall slightly more upbeat tone by the end. And I didn't feel Reeves was quite as successful in that regard. Also, there was what I felt was some ham-fisted foreshadowing of what is possibly the villain for the next movie installment that could have been left out. Despite the PG-13 rating, I wouldn't take kids. It's just too long for the younger ones. And the subject matter isn't really appropriate for them. Heck, there will be adults who can't sit through this movie. Reeves maybe tried to do a little too much, although I think it works out. It's a difficult job to make this character seem fresh, but the Batman accomplishes that, and Reeves has a chance to reinvigorate the franchise. Three stars out of four. 
Ulysses Campbell for Fantastic Forum. And there you have it, the official spoiler-free review of The Batman starring Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Jeffrey Wright, Colin Farrell, and Paul Dano, which opened in theaters yesterday. Time to introduce today's panel. Joining me are Shireen Nicole and Julian Lytle. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hello. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you all being with us. And uh, I, I have to say, uh, my panelists asked, they're like, wait, is it just the three of us? Because, uh, you know, we're a forum. I usually try and have four people on the show. But I, I said, because uh, all of us were at the uh, preview screening earlier this week, excuse me, late last week, actually. And um, based on the conversation that we had, I personally felt like there were there were enough of us already and the three of us had enough to say about this movie that uh, anybody else was likely to get in the way so uh, i'll i'll get us going uh, simply by saying that i was really impressed with robert pattinson in this movie i i didn't i not that i wasn't expecting to like this guy but i didn't really know what i was going to get i mean i i didn't see any of those twilight movies so uh, I had seen him in uh, the Harry Potter films, and then He's in only that. One. Oh well, yes. Sorry, <laughs> you know, well, I saw him in that, and uh, and then I saw him in the um, in Tenet, and I didn't honestly get all the way through Tenet. I just I didn't understand what was going on, but I liked him. Those are the only times you've seen Robert Pattinson. Those are the only times that I'm aware of having seen him. Wow. What else has he done? He does a lot of like lot. indie dramas and small films. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, not non geek related mm. stuff. Oh, well, I don't know that I would see it in that case. <laughs> Clearly, I didn't, you know. But I was really impressed with him, and because uh, again, that the, I, I was colored by the Twilight stuff in terms mm -hmm. of him, you know, and it was like eh, I don't know about this cat, but he was really good, and I, I thought, I mean, although shoot, most most performers, you put them in the costume, and what are they gonna do? I mean, you look like Batman, you sound like Batman, you know, it must be Batman. But mm -hmm. there was there was not only an intensity to his performance. Uh, well, it was an intensity to his performance. I I, I really liked it. Um, I liked Zoe Kravitz. In fact. I, I really, really liked Zoe Kravitz in this movie and felt as if, and you know, it, I, I, in the review I said, it's tough to make this character fresh, you know, because Batman has, Batman has been around for so long and so many different people have played him and the various uh, uh, supporting characters, but I mean, for all the people, and I got to say, Julie Newmar's Catwoman has always stood out for me. And uh, I also like Michelle Pfeiffer. But Zoe Kravitz, I, I thought her performance eclipsed all of the actresses who have played this role before, which is fortunate since she's the most recent one to play the, to the role. Also, Jeffrey Wright. I, I have never been a particular fan of the race swapping or gender swapping, but I, Jeffrey Wright stood out for me too, and of course he's a tremendous performer, so there was there was no issue there. But there was there was so much about the 
the the the various actors who were doing it. Although um, Colin Farrell, I mean, and don't get me wrong, I like Colin Farrell, but there's a guy who looks just like that, and now I'm going to have to look up what the guy's name is because I, I I don't really understand why Colin Farrell played this role, and the they acting, didn't actually the get acting. Yeah, the guy you're talking about, he's really funny. He's really funny. Mm-hmm. He ain't pulling off that gangster. <laughs> That there's, literal there's mobster. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I agree with you about the funny dude, but also there's several dudes that could have pulled that off without makeup. I don't really Maybe. understand it either, but Colin Farrell was great. And the makeup artist is going to probably win an Oscar, so cool. Colin Farrell's great he's acting. That's why he's picked. Mm, yeah, picked. well, and and he certainly bore that out, you know. Um, also, I, I I didn't go out of my way to mention uh, Andy Circus, but I I liked him too. I mean, and Alfred, that's that's a very important role. I don't know that people generally, I mean, fans, geeks, get it, but I don't know that people really understand how critical Alfred is to Batman. In fact, so much so, there was a meme that I saw just recently, and I had to laugh. Uh, There was a picture of the entire so-called Bat family, and I'm talking about Damien and, you know, the Robins and Batwing and, you know, all these people, you know, and um, the caption was the Bat family at 100%. And then there was a picture, of, a picture of Alfred alone, and the caption was the Bat Family at ninety nine percent. And I had, I was just <laughs> laughing. But it's it, it in many ways it is so true. I mean, this guy, even if it's just uh, Batman and Alfred, and I tell you what, and uh, Julian, I, I, I think uh, your boy Tom King gets it because when he was doing that story where it looked like Catwoman and Batman were going to get married, and Bruce it asked. Look, they were getting married. Well, yeah, well, but they didn't. <laughs> That's why I said it yeah, looked like they were going to do it. Then a lot of people got their hands involved and put <laughs> doubt in her mind and made her <laughs> run away. And it broke Batman's heart. And That's why he had to go through his R and B phase and had to get that sadness out of him. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Heartbreak. You know what I'm saying? Any heartbreak was on repeating the Batmobile. You know what I'm saying? Mm. He was hurt. Mm. Can you stand the rain, Bruce Wayne? Can you mm. stand the rain? But. I digress. Well, the point that I was making was was that Batman asked Alfred to stand up with him. And I thought that was brilliant. I mean, that was Tom King understanding the character. I, I, I would have expected that he would have gotten either Dick or Clark to stand up with him. They but have, no. Yeah, yeah. You know, also, it, you know what I'm saying? Superman got stuff to do. You know what I'm saying? He can't be calling. Oh, come on. You, what else you got, you got to do that's more important to stand up with your boy when well, he's getting married? first of all, you ask Lois because that's Superman's wife, and she'll tell you Superman's schedule <laughs> or what he has to do. Well, there there was an appreciation for the connection between those two characters and the depth of that and, you know, that relationship. So I, But I appreciated that. And Andy Serkis, you know, he had so much to do. And again... Uh, there, there, there will, there likely will be spoilers. I may put one out now, so if you haven't seen this movie, uh, you don't necessarily want to listen to this show. As loath as I am to ask people, well, to tell people, hey, you turn my show off, but you know, I don't want to but ruin it for you. But you can listen to Geek Girl Riot in the interim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no I, spoilers. I understand that you all somehow had a conversation about this without having spoilers. 
which is uh, a feat, surely. Skills. But, yeah. Well, okay. But uh, <laughs> well, before I get to spoiling it, though, I've I've been talking a lot. Uh, oh. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Shireen Nicole and Julian Lytle. We're talking about Matt Reeves' The Batman, which just opened in theaters this week. I've been talking a lot. I would like for each of you to talk a little bit about your initial impressions. I've read both your reviews. I gotta say, both of them are brilliant. Um, the only thing that I really disagreed with actually was Shireen in your review. You said something about this Plymouth Duster Batmobile in this movie making the uh, tumbler from the Nolan films look like a uh, a, a, a sideshow prize, I believe That's was right. the way you put it. It's a toy. And, yeah, and it is something you give the children to play with on Christmas morning. <laughs> but this Batmobile and this the Batman movie, this is something different. And what it brought me to is an understanding that the Batmobiles actually represent Batman at whatever stage he's at. So the Christopher Nolan Batman with that tumbling Hummer thing, whatever the hell that was, it was all about the show off of Batman. It's a, a, a really misconstrued Batman in my estimation. And of course, more about Bruce Wayne, again, in my estimation. But if you look at all the Batmobiles, they all represent the type of Batman we're getting. This particular Batmobile, which I like to call the heavy metal Batmobile, that's right, American heavy metal, exposed engine, roll bar. Yes, this is a car, sir. And the reason that this car is so raw-boned and so just vicious is because this Batman is so raw. This isn't even Batman yet. This is like this is the man that will one day be Batman, but isn't Batman quite yet. And that's why that car looks like that it is a reflection of who he is. So, yes, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, well, um, uh, Julian, you got anything? Well, I know you got stuff to throw on, and not necessarily about the Batmobile, but about your impressions of the film. Oh yeah, I think it. Uh, I still have recency. It's still too recent for me to say where it stands mm -hmm. within the pantheon of Batman films, but it's still it's still probably top three, mm -hmm. and it's probably not number three. <laughs> um, yeah, it, I don't. It, it's a movie where it's. It's a three-hour movie that don't feel like a three-hour movie, but it also feels like you just binged a really good uh, HBO miniseries, hmm. and I use HBO on purpose because they make the best television content, you know, not Netflix. But um, it was it was the it's the first time where we see a um, in a live-action film a more complete well-rounded Batman portrayal from Bruce Wayne Batman side uh, Gotham life he he's a detective he Again, figures out things is they, they, they finally let somebody take the time within a film to say like no nah, we need to actually show him doing the work versus like him kind of doing the work mm -hmm. all screen or everyone else doing the work for yeah. him yeah either, either or you know just you know, they, they each was going for different takes. So this one is clearly world's greatest detective. You know what I'm saying? If you back again, if you go back to like, mm. 
you know, 89 through even the Schumacher films. That's basically the Cape Crusader Batman, right? Mm-hmm. And then Nolan was all about, yo, this, this is the Dark Knight. This is the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. I and then I don't think it was the Dark Knight. Dude, that's that's what he was. All. That was what he was focusing on. Um, that's what he thought he was that, focusing it, on. Okay, that's see, that's a different. That's a whole different. He gave debate. us the Dark Bruce. It was no that's night awesome. in there. And then you get Snyder and whatever he was doing. Um, he Miserable was bastard. Batman. He didn't. He didn't even Miserable. get that far. He, you know, he never really actually got to do anything. And now we got the, the world's greatest detective. So he's sitting there. Oh, yeah, they got a the little bit of the lovey dovey in there. Got a little bit of the. A little bit of the King and Friends run of the, you know what I'm saying? When he saw when he saw Catwoman, <laughs> he saw Catwoman, he was like, yo, who that is? <laughs> he could have stopped, like, punched that dude in the face, be like, yo, who you? Like, <laughs> what your name is? Can we go get breakfast? <laughs> he saw all of his eyes. I was like, that's the Twilight we know. That's the There we go. Then, Edward, there you go. <laughs> All the ladies you know, fall out. <laughs> Shereen, did you they know, did they me, have? Because you talk about chemistry. Did they have chemistry? Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz. Out of this world chemistry. Mm-hmm. Okay. But can I talk a little bit about myself going into this film? Okay. Can you? <laughs> Are you asking? I mean, you, 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 uh, you ask. Can I? I mean, you know, you you may if you can. You the host. <laughs> Listen. Listen, it, let's not get into grammarian battles. I would the lose. The point being is that, that war, you're the host, and I was asking if I could take Absolutely. my perspective. Absolutely, please, please. So when I went into this film, from the trailers, what I had hoped would happen is that what we were seeing was Matt Reeves starting with where all of the other filmmakers had left Batman. Even though he's taking him back in time to, like, year two, in that area it still is starting where Affleck's Batman was when we saw him where uh, Bale's Batman was which was in Arrested Development and so what I felt like when I heard Pattinson say I am vengeance in fighting that gang I thought uh oh but then I thought again what what is he doing and I saw a very clear idea that what Matt Reeves is trying to do was to take that arrested development miserable bastard Batman and take him to becoming a hero rather than this rank vigilante that every other filmmaker uh, recently has turned him into other than of course the animated series who actually get it and so I had a I, I, I was hoping that I would be right about that and that that's what we would have this journey from vengeance to hero did you and feel like we got spoiling, it? Oh, yeah, we got the starts of it without a doubt because you have a dark night of the soul, and, and I mean that pun very much, and I'm not talking about Nolan's films. I'm talking about hmm. the dark night. We have a dark night of the soul where you actually get a real character arc, both emo- an emotional character arc for Batman. You don't have the Bruce Wayne yet. I tell people Bruce Wayne is not in this movie. And the reason I say that is because there's no Bruce Wayne covering. There's no Bruce Wayne mask at this point. You know, Bruce Wayne is mostly out of the public eye. So we really are focusing on this guy who is still is operating from a place of trauma and from pain, understandably. 
But what does it take to turn that guy into a hero? And that's what Matt Reeves appears to be answering. So as Julian pointed out, the lovey-dovey stuff, that's all a part of the medicine. He's concocting a medicine that's going to heal this character as he goes through. And you see it. You, I mean, I think Julian said it. There's sunlight in this Gotham. What? Yeah, you go outside. There's a whole morning. Yeah. There's an entire morning. And there, that dawn is important because that dawn is representative of an awakening of Batman's awareness of what a hero is capable of and what a hero means to the people as a symbol. That's what you get in this film. And that's why this film is really good. But it's also a crime drama that meets a serial killer procedural, which is why we get our detective back. Like, like, like we both said in our reviews, the world's greatest detective is present in these films, which hasn't been present before. We've just gotten this angry brawler. So I think that Matt Reeves and his co-writer, whose name I can't think of at the moment, did an amazing job. So back to, is there chemistry between the cat and the bat? It's out of this world. You believe them. You believe the tremors. You believe the little the little wit that they have in, in their your, their parlance, their rapport, that bouncing back and forth. It all, that banter, that's the word I was looking for. Mm, it mm-hmm. all works very well. And a part of why it works is because Zoe Kravitz is really brilliant in the way she takes some key cat women. Um, she takes a little bit of Eartha Kit, who for me is key. Um, she takes a whole lot of Baker and Cook. She takes some of Tom King. And then she she makes herself a catalyst for all of these influences to build this absolutely perfect take on the Catwoman character. It, it, there, there could be others, but this one is the best Catwoman I've seen. And that could be because this is the closest to how I see Batwoman. I mean, Catwoman. Catwoman. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I'm supposed to think that way, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, um, and so, and so she does an amazing job of creating a really great counter, uh, for, for this Batman to play off. And Robert Pattinson, because he's a far better actor than people know, and even in Twilight playing Edward Cullen, he was great. The movies weren't great, but he was great in his performance because the man is a very good actor. He was great in Harry Potter. Um, and so those two kind of revolve around each other in this really sexy dance, and I personally want more of it. Mm, mm. Well, and and that's all high praise, and you know I, I take note in particular of what you said about Eartha Kitt, and uh, you know not that I, I mean I I mentioned um, uh, Julie Newmar not to not give love to Eartha Kitt because I thought her performances Catwoman in the Batman. Uh, television series was much more feline than uh, Julie Newmar's, but uh, I'll talk a little well, bit more about Lee Merriweather too. Was she was she was in the movie. Yeah, right? in, in yeah. fact, just the movie. Yeah, you know. now, I did not like as much as I love Michelle Pfeiffer. I didn't like her demented Catwoman. I think that's Tim Burton's fault, not Michelle Pfeiffer's. Because mm. Michelle Pfeiffer is great, but I didn't like this kind of patchwork, demented. 
um, very much wounded Catwoman. That what that that portrayal was not. For it me. wasn't the Catwoman that anybody recognized from the original source material. Certainly, nothing but, was in those movies. Yeah, but but hold all that because the musical cue means that it's time for us to take a short break. Of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA ninety six point seven FM in Arlington and streaming online at WERA.FM. We're a community radio station. And you should visit the website at WERA.FM or that of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media, to find out how you can make your tax-deductible gift in support of community media today. We're only scratching the surface so far with this discussion about Matt Reeves' The Batman, which looks to be the hottest movie of the year already. We're going to talk more about it in the second half of the show. So stick around, because we'll be right back with more of the discussion right after this. Welcome back to the Fantastic Forum here on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Julian Lytle and Shireen Nicole. When we took the break, we were talking about the new, latest, greatest superhero movie of all time just opened this week. The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves and starring a whole bunch of people, and uh, no joke, I mean, this thing is, it's made $57 million just in the first couple of days, looks to be en route to having an opening weekend somewhere in the neighborhood of 120 to 130 million. People are willing to get back out of their houses, they're going to the theaters, they're tired of COVID, and they want the Batman, and... Something that Julie and I were talking about uh, when the show was uh, getting ready to start was how close we came to not getting any of this at all. When the discussion of a Batman film was first taking place, this was shortly after the success of Superman the movie, but way back in 1978. What Warner Studio execs thought was that Batman was going to be a comedy. All they knew was what they had seen on the Adam West Burt Ward TV series from 1966, which was high camp and, as Julian has pointed out, even a little beyond simple 50s Batman. And this was what they wanted to do. And it was largely a fellow named Michael Uslan, who was also a producer on this film, who was strongly advocating the idea of a serious Batman movie. But didn't have to be we could have had comedic Batman and how much different would that have been you know so uh, we're very lucky that we got what we got anyway so um, we we'd been talking a little bit about well actually we've been talking a lot about Zoe Kravitz and her portrayal um, I, I kind of want to pivot a little because I want to talk about this incarnation kind of being proto-Batman. And Shireen had touched on this. 
in some of the things that she was saying about how he hadn't we didn't see as much Bruce Wayne in this movie uh, we saw Batman uh, but the Bruce Wayne that we know uh, is the more refined idea of Bruce Wayne is that Bruce Wayne is a prop that he brings out uh, to further his war on crime and he hasn't quite figured out how to use Bruce Wayne in that way. So we sort of have proto-Batman. And the other thing that has been said is just how this character is on the way to being somewhere. Now, I think it's important to recognize uh, that the source material, um, this sort of mirrors the Batman of... 1939, when the character first came out, Detective Comics number 27. This was, for those of you who have not seen the original comics, this was some dark stuff, I kid you not. Batman actually carried a gun, and he was not afraid to use it. He was pretty vicious, and um, one might say celebrated the deaths of his enemies, even when he wasn't causing those deaths. And he was a real real dark kind of character and i think that there was a recognition of this and somebody said well we got to do something you know we have to we got to lighten this guy up some kind of way and so what they did was they introduced the kid sidekick robin the boy wonder and this kid wore a yellow cape and a red tunic and he you got essentially a kid running around with this incredibly dark, brooding guy who had to adjust himself in order to accommodate this kid who was running around with him. And it tempered him. And he became less a instrument of vengeance and more a crusader for justice. And I think that was where you were going, Shireen, when you referenced that he was becoming a crusader. Am I? No, I didn't say that. Oh. Um, <laughs> no, I said he's taking him from vengeance to hero. Um, and he's doing it through the literary device of a dark night of the soul, which night is spelled, of course, N-I-G-A, you know. But I can spell y'all. But um, that's more of what I meant, is, is, that, um, is that journey. Oh, okay. And that kind mm -hmm. of reclamation of Batman is what we're having take place here. Um, and and that's what I appreciate because I have long wanted to reclaim Batman. I was very, as you both know, worried about those Nolan films because I thought that they would get us to where they took us. And of course they did. Um, and so I'm happy to see that this tries to reclaim Batman. You've got a little bit of the long Halloween. You've got a lot of, you've got a lot of things happening in this You've got a lot of long really Halloween. Cool. Yeah, you do. Just the, just the basis of the movie. Right. But, you know, what What really struck me was when you're talking about the building of the Bruce Wayne persona. In my notes, I say, Alfred says he needs to save the Wayne legacy. And Mary Al says he needs to take up um, philanthropy again. And I think mm. that that all is kind of our first signifier that he is going to use to build the, the Bruce Wayne character that he so often plays in public. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things I would love to see would be the entry, and they have avoided this so far, 
in uh, well everything but the Tim Burton films but the introduction of Robin and even when they introduced Robin in the Tim Burton films he was a little too old you know, well, technically, that wasn't Tim Burton films anymore. Oh, that's true. Schumacher, Schumacher films. films. Schumacher. Yes, by that yeah, time. Yeah, those were yes. Schumacher films. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was like, we need to get this. We would bring that 66 stuff back. <laughs> I found Man, that when fun. he said, I want, I want to do comic strip Batman, I was like, oh, no. This is going to be bad. And it was. Mm. Um, it, has its, it, has its, it has its charms. Mm. The I older I get, the remember, more. Remember, though, I that like you're, you're gentler than I am. Like, yeah. you, you are much more accepting. I also of, accept, like, all of... I accept a lot more takes of Batman because I take in a lot more Batman content per month and hmm. I have to sift through it all and find some I know, you, you say that. And for me, it's not whether or not I accept different takes on Batman. I accept all kinds of takes on Batman. I just don't accept what I think is trash. So, so like, like I don't care about the take. It's whether or not I think it's good that that moves me. Hey, I get I get what you're saying. I just think sometimes people have different ideas of what's a good take. Because some well, of the stuff should. that you don't like is like, mm-hmm. oh, that's Frank Miller. So yes. you're going to be yeah, outvoted on that, Frank and I don't Miller even rock with it. That all. I don't like. Like I think that that's where you and I get hitched up. Is that you think I just don't accept takes, and for me, it's that I just am very vocal about what I don't like, and that includes in the comic books. Well, most fans. So, like, so, so yeah. So when they do a take in the movies that matches the comic books, that's not enough for me. I need it to be good. I say that, but you like, can you say Year One is bad? Can you say Dark Knight Returns is bad? We're talking about it, two different things. You're, you say you're so. Talking about. Yeah, but but that's because you don't like. I get what you're saying, but I don't think you do though, because your response tells me you're not understanding what I'm saying. Well, certainly, I I, I think I get what you're saying, but I just I don't feel that way. I'm not closed in about character. I just am very vocal about what I like. Well, certainly, all fans are, uh, and particularly anybody who's a fan of the original comic source material, has a real clear idea, uh, at least for themselves. And partially, that's informed, I've found, by what you've read of the comics, but has a real clear idea of who and what Batman is. Now, Shireen, I happen to think that your idea of what Batman is is a little more well-formed than some people's, and you have a, a, a familiarity with the comic book source material that many more casual fans, and particularly fans of the movies, lack. Um, well, see, Julian knows way more than me about the comic books, but for me, I always approach it like, for me, it's a writer mentality. Like, to me, do I get the essence of the character? Where Julian is like, I think, more like, is this accurate, right? And that's a, that's a... No, me, no, I'm more like, no, take. accuracy doesn't matter at certain points. Okay, and see, to me, to my take on what you're saying is it's about accuracy, and for me, it's about, is it good? Like, I don't care whether it comes from a comic or doesn't come from a comic. Does it move me? Do I feel like it has an understanding? But Julian and I also disagree on whether there is an omni, like a central, oh, yeah, omni a central version you, of a character. You, you've talked about because, that. Mm-hmm. Right, because for me, if there is no central version of the character, the character does not exist because they're undefinable. And if a character is undefinable, they're not a character, right? And, and I know Julian has a different take on that. Hmm. 
You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Julian Lytle and Shireen Nicole. We're talking about the new movie from Warner Brothers in D.C. directed by Matt Reeves, The Batman. If you haven't seen it, uh, go see it. It's good. It's long, <laughs> but it's good. Two hours and 55 minutes. And Beautiful. I wasn't joking when I said that it makes me nostalgic for the days when the really long movies had intermissions. And there easily could have been an intermission in this film. But They could have put a Batman cartoon in the middle. They could have. Hey, they could have put a Batman cartoon at the beginning. One thing that I mm. want to make sure that I get in, because uh, mm. there was there was a scene towards the end of the movie where, uh, I, and I, I referenced this in, in the review that I did, where it seemed as if Matt Reeves was sort of teasing the next installment uh, by showing you a long-time Batman villain. Ah. Yeah, you know, this was the scene in Arkham where it turns out the guy in the next cell uh, to um, the the Riddler. Oh, and by the way, uh, there 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 may likely be spoilers. Beware if you haven't seen the movie. So um, yeah, but the guy in the next cell is uh, a character that we all recognize. But I just saw earlier today in Variety, Matt Reeves uh, was talking with Variety, and he says that. That is not indicative of what he's going to be doing in the film, the next one, at all. In fact... We said that. We said that in the theater. I said it and Julian said it. We were like, it's probably going to be a while before that actually happens. Well, and I didn't know. I I, I was not going along with that automatically. Yeah. I feared, oh, crap. You see who they did? I sure hope they weren't uh, signaling this thing. And uh, what, what uh, Reeve said is... It's not an Easter egg scene. It's not one of those in credits Marvel or DC DC scenes where it's going like, "Hey, here's the next movie." And he says, in fact, he has no idea when or if we would return to that character in the movies. And uh, apparently, um, it was uh, Barry Keoghan, uh, who you may recall recently from uh, Eternals, and yes, Druig. Um, yeah, and he had a much bigger role that apparently was cut. And uh, they decided to cut everything with the character. And then when uh, Reeves was testing the movie, uh, apparently the end tested better when they put this scene back in. So, But apparently there's a scene that got cut where Batman goes to Arkham because he's trying to figure out. It's like out 20 minutes. Right, I heard. Something like 20 minutes long. Yeah, yeah, it's an intense and I'm like, I should have watched that. <laughs> They're probably going to put it in the actual streaming release. Yeah, well, he if, said if they're smart. He said that he's anxious to uh, to get that back in now. But again, with some explanation. Anyway, but the the, the key to that scene was, um, you know, it, Batman is trying to profile the Riddler, and he just doesn't get it. And so he goes to talk to this guy who he has caught and put away, and he's essentially asking for help. And the character says, "What are you talking about? You don't understand him. The two of you are the same." And this is the character trying to get in Batman's head. Apparently, but we needn't worry about this character showing up in the next movie, and apparently, maybe ever. But I, I in nah, terms of the I idea, of, I think he's gonna pop up. Well, yeah, not in the next yeah. movie, it, he's gonna pop up. It wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt me if they did that. But again, what I would like to see is, you know, since Matt Reeves did such a bang up job in terms of 
using the original source material because I, I mean folks that whole detective thing that was huge <laughs> that was yeah. huge i mean he's uh, among uh, the the monikers that are used and attached to batman is the world's greatest detective and mm -hmm. there was no we haven't seen any detective stuff i mean the closest we saw to, to that was in that first tim burton film where he figured out the uh the pattern when Joker was uh, tainting the product, oh, you just y'all just know? gonna leave out when he was doing the um, ballistics test in the Dark Knight. That was hard. That was hard. <laughs> that was hard. Y'all could fake on that. That was hard. I was like, I like that. You gonna you, yeah, you gonna shoot in the wall? You trying to, you know, what I'm saying match this? Yeah, nah, okay. Tough. All right, no, I'll give you that. That, that was some. I'll give you that. that. CSI stuff. That right there. that didn't even stand out for me. But you know what I what I want is <laughs> you know more of the type of stuff that I mean that was good. The tests and all that, but you need the whole oh, there's a puzzle that he's got to figure out, and then the whole profiling well, yeah. thing got, and all that profile. stuff. Yeah. He got puzzle. He, mm -hmm. he, he got, got he did he, some me stuff. He he went he mm -hmm. he had a sting operation going on. He was uh, <laughs> he's like go go in there and wear this. That look was, at everybody. That was hilarious. <laughs> he's like look that at me. scene was hilarious. <laughs> He's like, no, look at him again. She's yeah, like, but if I make eye contact, he's going to want to talk. He's like, I got to get a better look at him. And every woman groaned like, oh, here you go. Batman ain't thinking like that yet. He, oh, he, he don't like, care. He don't no, care. He, he was like, I'll save you if anything goes exactly. wrong. Exactly. Like, I don't need save. <laughs> I'll save me. Um, but yeah, you know, I think the only letdown for me in this film was the chase scene because it was so wanton in its destruction and people dying and and i just that that was my pause i was like mm, i wish this had played out another way um just because i don't want because i'm i'm wary of this whole batman brutality batman killer uh thing that's happening uh especially on social media right now and on these unthink pieces mm, and mm -hmm. so um I, I was wary of that reinforcing that idea more than anything. Mm. Still say those, those are penguin bodies. He calls all that. He calls all that. <laughs> he calls. Well, uh, he calls it all. Well, you're right, but I mean, it's always the villain. Well, usually, <laughs> it's the villains. Well, that that's what the police say when they start shooting in the buildings, and you know what I mean. Like it's just, it was, it was on that edge for me. That that I was like, oh, they gonna start up again, you know? Well, uh, you know, sometimes it's more overt, like in the um, uh, in in the more recent films where Affleck has been, and I I, I specifically think about Batman versus Superman because you know the Batmobile had machine guns on it, and he just opens Ugh. up and he he's blowing people up. Now they were bad, yeah. but he was still he it. was okay. just shooting okay. and blowing up cars and I, stuff I like say that. This. Mm -hmm. That car looks very much like it looks into the Arkham games, games mm -hmm. that are very profitable, and for a period of time was the most public, successful mm -hmm. Batman version out there, mm -hmm. voiced by all our favorite people. Mm -hmm. And that's those scenes. I swear to God, look, they, they just made live action versions of stuff you do in them games, mm -hmm. and I was like, I get it, I get it. Mm -hmm. That's where you gonna pull from. Yeah. They pull from mm -hmm. the comics. And they was like, oh, this made us a billion dollars per title. Oh, we're going to pull from this. It is a business. And sometimes people forget about that. And the people who yeah, bankroll these projects don't necessarily care that Batman is killing people if the turnstiles are clicking. And, and that's why they've been somewhat... 
they've been somewhat of a failure compared to the way that superhero movies can perform. But I thought what was most interesting for me was not that character that we thought, oh, this is too soon. I was interested in Hush and giant letters across mm, my screen. That was that, that, that was a clue. Got me. That was a clue. And I was also interested in the fact that um, the the um, the little kid was was running around uh, in a very a analogous suit. way to Batman <laughs> in a ninja suit with a red hood. It really like those little touches in there. I was like that felt all those little things felt like foreshadowing like for, to me. There you go. Mm-hmm. And I and I enjoyed that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and 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 I get that too. And uh, you know, there was I felt like there was plenty of foreshadowing. I'm glad that the thing that I thought was the biggest foreshadowing wasn't. Um, you know, <laughs> the yeah, yeah. But um, the, what's key is where you go from here for me. And do they take this proto Batman and move him to being more like the character I recognize? Or he's they, already started that. That's why you get, as we said earlier in, in the show, the dawn. Yeah. Well, but but the key is again where you go from here. I mean, it was a good start. But I thought Batman Begins was a good start, and then Ugh. they just veered off into. Well, look, look. I mean, you know, the thing that I liked in that, and I, we were talking about this the other day too, was how um, uh, uh, Rachel shows up there at the very end while he's nailing the well shut, and. You know they have that little scene between them, but it was this, I, and that that scene alone colored my whole view of that movie because I bought in because she understood the psychology of the character, and she's like, you know, basically, you know, she's macking him, and he's thinking, yeah, she's back, and she's like, when I heard you were back, I started to hope, but then I found out about your mask, and he's, my mask is just a symbol, Rachel. No, this is your mask. Your real face is the one the criminals now fear. And I was like, yes, there you go. Because that's the psychology of this guy. Bruce Wayne isn't the real guy. The real guy, I mean, as he sees himself, is this avenging creature of the night who's on a holy mission to avenge his parents and see to it that no child suffers a loss like he suffered ever again. And, you know, so so Bruce Wayne is the fiction that he employs that he advances to assist him in accomplishing this mission and and they were so they were so dead on in terms of actually identifying the psychology of the character correctly that i excused a lot of the other stuff i mean the whole yes batman wasn't present in the movie thing i excused all of that because of that one scene you know, so um, but so so all that to say that going forward now, I want to see this. I am vengeance. I want to see that tempered by his responsibility to Gotham and to the people, and through the introduction of this kid who's running around with him, he who he's got to look well, they, out for. True, I, mm-hmm. I I do think that might be something they play with, but I think. As Shereen said, like we got that at the end of the movie. Like there's there's a key point in the movie where somebody says that he looks is like, oh, this ain't the move no more. And we're gonna mm. we gonna the, the difference between this and the other movies is that we're gonna get two TV shows. So we got we're gonna get a playbook. We got a, <laughs> we got No Man's Land yeah. and we got the, with the penguin and then we're gonna have the little prequel with, with Jim Gordon. So yeah, yeah. And he talking my man Reeves talking about uh Mr. Freeze. 
And if you if mm. this is a film series about uh Batman essentially versus institutions hmm. versus versus big capital. Hmm. And, yeah. and the the tragedy of Victor Freeze and his wife. Mm-hmm. Then you could also throw in a, a circus comes to town. <laughs> <laughs> Which they mentioned. That was another one of the foreshadowing. Yep. Uh, Alfred said something. What did he say about the circus? He said something about the circus, but yeah, the circus, said, this Bloodhaven, is a whole bunch of. Oh yeah. They said Bloodhaven. Yeah, yeah they, sure they did. did. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's so, it's so much. You know, this is kind of. I said something like, "This is this is what the Batman movie we've been wanting, the live action Batman movie we've been wanting, where I feel like we have a chance to really grow with this character." And and that's what re- I really liked about this movie, other than you know. Alfred Thug Life Pennyworth and I have to say that you know um, I almost said Richard Wright Jeffrey Wright is um, is really great as Jim Gordon just you know because it, it just it works so well the the relationship between these two characters Shireen, is Shireen, the I center got, of the I, movie I, I gotta interrupt you only because we're out of time <laughs> Shireen, I'd like to thank you and uh, Julian for coming on. Of course, Fantastic Forum is also a television show. Uh, Visit the website at fantasticforum.tv or check your local listings to find out when and where the show airs in your area. Also, we re-air right here on WERA each and every Thursday afternoon from 3 to 4. Tune in and catch anything you might have missed. And thanks to our friends at the Great Geek Refuge, the show is also available as a podcast on all those platforms where your favorite podcasts can be found. And don't forget to come back next Saturday, 4 p.m., because, hey, we'll be here. Have a great weekend, people.